As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we're beginning a new sermon series this morning. Over the next few Sundays, the four Sundays of Advent plus the day of Christmas, we'll be reading scripture passages based on something called the lectionary. The lectionary is a list of scripture passages that gives about four texts for each Sunday, and over the course of a three-year pattern, it helps worshiping communities read through most of the Bible together. We'll just be doing this for the next few weeks, but we'll be reading passages that a number of churches all around the world will also be reading with us on those particular Sundays. Each Sunday, there's four texts. There's a psalm. There's another text from the Old Testament. There's a passage from the Gospels, and there's a passage from the Epistles. Today, we open the service by reading the Isaiah passage, and for the sermon, we'll be reading from Psalm 122, Matthew 24, and then Romans 13. Let's read God's word together. We'll begin with Psalm 122. I rejoiced with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statutes given to Israel. There the thrones for judgment stand, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May may there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. And then we'll turn over to the New Testament and we'll read from Matthew chapter 24, From verse 36 to 44. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And finally, a few verses from Romans chapter 13. Romans 13 from verse 11 to verse 14. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is God's word for us this morning. We'll talk about these texts in three parts this morning. First, the temptation to settle for less than the best. 
Second, the call to look towards something more. And third, the importance of being prepared. So don't settle. Look for something more and be prepared. First, don't settle. It's after Thanksgiving now, so I think we're allowed to start talking about Christmas presents. And some of you are excited about that. Yay, presents! And some of you just got a sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. Why are we talking about presents already? But actually this morning I want to talk about the boxes that Christmas presents come in. One of the cliches of Christmas time is that you can buy whatever present you want, but the kids are going to end up playing in the boxes anyway, right? You can buy great presents, the latest, greatest, coolest toy, and the kids will open it up, they'll play with it for a few minutes, and then if you come back into the room 10 minutes later, they'll be playing with the boxes and totally ignoring the toys. I've sometimes heard the suggestion we should just not buy the presents and just get the boxes. So that's my shopping list for this year. And if you're a parent, it can be your shopping list too. Just don't let your kids know I gave you the idea. But you recognize the situation. There are these great gifts, and instead people are settling for empty boxes. And too often in our spiritual lives, we settle for empty boxes. Too often we settle for way less than the best. The passages passages that we read for today talk in different ways about the coming of the kingdom of God. Psalm 102 calls us to look toward Jerusalem, toward the city of God. Matthew 24 reminds us that Jesus will return and he will bring God's kingdom. And Romans 13 tells us to live in the light of the kingdom because the time of darkness is passing. But we often turn away from all of that. We often turn away from the Lord and we settle for so much less. Don't settle. And especially don't settle for evil. Augustine, one of the greatest thinkers in the history of Christianity, wrote this big, big book called The City of God. And he spent hundreds of pages in that book comparing the city of God to the city of the world. The heavenly city versus the earthly city, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the devil. And in all kinds of ways, Augustine pointed out how the city of God stands completely opposed to the kingdom of evil. And yet even we who are God's people so often choose to participate in the kingdom of evil. We look God right in the face and then we go off and disobey him anyway. We know what's right and we choose to do something else. We pray for God's kingdom to come and then we run off and we play around with all kinds of other things. And Romans 13 tells us to have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. And there's a list there, drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, dissension, jealousy. Maybe that list includes some things you're into. Maybe it doesn't. But if we wanted to this morning, we could put together a list of vices that I'm sure would cover All of us. All of us have these times where we turn away from the light and we settle for the darkness. Now, I'm not one who's huge on moralistic preaching, on saying you have to do this. I think it's better for us to look toward Jesus and say, look what Jesus has done for us. And then that means we live in certain ways. But I'm going to be a little moralistic here for a moment. If you're settling for evil, 
If you're settling for the darkness, if you're settling for all of those kinds of things, whether it means you're getting to the borderline of what's legal in your job and you're staying just on the right side, or whether it means you're drinking too much or you're out partying or whatever, if you're into any of that, could you just stop? Could you just stop? Please, just stop. Stop settling for those bad things. They're not good for you. They're not good for the people around you. Evil is corrosive. It will chew you up and spit you out. Doing evil is bad for your soul. So don't settle for the deeds of darkness. But for many of us, the real problem, the day-to-day challenge, isn't that we settle for evil. The problem is that we settle for good enough. And don't settle for good enough enough. Our greatest temptation might be to settle for good things that aren't the best things. Many of us are actually in a pretty good place. We live in a nice suburb. We have a decent house. We've got a good car or two. Maybe our kids are in a good school. Things are good. You know, they're good, good enough. And so we keep on with good enough and our lives slide by. And in some parts of life, that's fine. When it comes to cooking, I always employ the principle of good enough. Laura does most of the cooking in our house, but every now and then I take a turn, and I seriously live by that principle of good enough. Did I put enough salt in? Ah, it's good enough. Did I put all the ingredients in? Ah, it's good enough. Did the kids have a good nutritional lunch? I don't know, but they like the donuts, and I like the coffee, so that's that's good enough. I don't do that all that often. It does happen. I'm actually a decent cook. If you want good food in our house, you should talk to Laura. But I at least do good enough. And you know, for food, that's good enough. But it's not good enough in our spiritual lives. Too often we settle for just just getting by. Maybe we aren't actively choosing evil or going after really bad things. But we're just kind of drifting along. We're just getting by each day. We're doing just enough, and we're calling it good enough. We're just stuck in neutral. And in the light of eternity, that's not good enough. Just settling is not the best way to live. It maybe doesn't eat us away, but it makes us into shallow people. And it robs us of the opportunity to really, really live with and for our Lord. And so let me invite you, let me urge you this morning to look towards something more. To not settle for evil or just good enough, but to aim higher. To look toward the city of God. To look toward the city of God. Psalm 122 is a psalm of ascent. It's one of a series of psalms that the Israelites probably sang as they went up to Jerusalem for several annual festivals each year. This was a song that people would sing on an exciting journey up to the city of God. And Jerusalem is located in hill country, so to get to it, you always have to go up. And the temple was probably the highest point in that city on a hill. So as you came into the city and as you headed toward the temple, you'd keep moving up and up and up. 
people would sing these words as they were looking up toward the house of God and celebrating God's ways, God's gifts, and who the Lord was in their life. In the Old Testament, Jerusalem was seen as the city of the Lord. It was a place where God lived in a special, unique way. Now, Jerusalem itself, that city in Israel, never actually managed to live up to its call. It was never really a city of peace and prosperity, or at least it was never that for very long. So Psalm 122 doesn't actually point us to that specific city in Israel. What it points us to is the city of God. What it points us to is the new heavens and the new earth. It points us to God's forever kingdom, to the time to the place when God will make all things right. We won't see that city, at least we won't see it totally, until Jesus comes again. But that city, the true city of God, that is where you can really find peace and prosperity. That city is where you can truly be safe and secure. That city is where true justice finally reigns. And that city is where we will truly dwell with the Lord. That city is the city of light. And so don't settle for anything less in your life. Don't settle for anything less than God's city. And even as we live our day-to-day lives in this broken world, the Bible tells us that the darkness is passing away. The night is drawing to an end And the sun is rising. So we look toward the light. In your life, look toward the light. Look toward the kingdom of new life, toward the kingdom of light that the Lord is bringing. My grandfather was a little boy in the Netherlands during World War II, and he lived between two big rivers. I think it was the Meuse on the north and the Wall on the south, but I might be getting that wrong. But for quite a while, the Allies were stopped at the southern river. They couldn't make progress. They decided to focus on other areas. And so the Germans and the Allies had this stalemate there. And there was some fighting back and forth. There were always troops moving around. There were always planes flying above fighting each other. And for months and months and months, my grandfather's whole village lived in the middle of that. They could hear the guns just a few miles away. They could see the planes flying over. There was a Nazi battery of anti-aircraft guns in the village that would shoot at the planes day after day. And day after day, week after week, month after month, the Dutch villagers knew that liberation was coming. They knew that darkness was drawing to an end. They knew the light was coming, but they weren't there yet. Their day-to-day reality was still the kingdom of darkness, but there was hope. Hope was dawning. Now, my grandfather was just a little boy, maybe seven or eight when the war ended, so he didn't have the really dark experience of war that many people had, that some of us even here today had. But he knew something of the darkness, and he knew something of the joy and the hope that light was coming. As Christians... As Christians, we often live in days of deep, deep darkness. It is often hard to see the light. But if we lift up our eyes, if we look to the Scripture, if we look to Jesus Christ, if we look toward the light, we find our hope renewed. 
we find a reminder that God's kingdom is coming. We find a light that transforms our lives. Our Friday morning men's Bible study here has been working through the book of Mark, and we're approaching the end. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at the study, or we looked at the chapter on Jesus' crucifixion. And we talked about how in this time, looking toward Christmas, it's really strange. It's really strange to be reading about the crucifixion. Usually in November and December, we're looking toward Jesus' birth, not toward his death. And in this season of Advent over the next few weeks, we will be looking forward to the birth of Jesus Christ as a baby, as one of us. But even that birth was haunted. It was haunted by who Jesus would be as the suffering, sacrificed Messiah. Jesus was born to live, but he was also born to die. Jesus was born to bring the light to our lives, but that light had to go down into the deepest, deepest darkness. And so in this season of Advent, we look forward to the coming of the light, and we also look forward to the reality that light has to suffer through darkness. And that's the story of all of our Christian lives. We look forward to the light. We look forward to the coming of Jesus. But we also know that the light comes through darkness. In this season, we'll be looking forward to when Jesus came as a baby. And he was born to suffer, to die, and to rise again. But in all of our Christian lives, always we look forward to the time that Jesus will come as the king. And he will come to reign And he will come to make all things right. The Christmas season sometimes feels like just a sentimental kind of schmaltzy holiday. There's the decorations, there's the Christmas lights, there's snow on the ground often, there's Christmas carols and those classic Christmas movies. It can feel kind of weak, kind of sugary. But for Christians, Christmas is a holiday of light and power. It's a reminder of the Lord striking a blow for what's right. Christmas is a reminder that the Lord is at work making everything good again. The Lord is at work bringing his new city more and more into being and bringing us more and more into his new city. So in your life, aim for that kingdom Don't settle for the darkness. Don't settle for just getting by. Look toward the kingdom of Jesus who makes everything right. Be encouraged. Aim higher. The night is drawing to an end. The dawn is drawing near. Look toward something more. And then finally for today, be prepared. Be prepared every day single day. We don't know. We don't know when Jesus will come back. We don't know when that day will dawn. And so we should be ready every day. Be always prepared. Now that doesn't mean that we should try to figure out the day or the hour or even the century that Jesus is going to come back. We shouldn't be always looking toward that great thing and trying to nail down that exact day. The way to be prepared for Jesus' coming is not to try to predict the day or the hour, 
The way to be prepared is to always be ready. The way to be prepared for Jesus to come back is to live for Jesus every single day. There's an old story about a young man who was anxious to get on with the more exciting parts of his life. So he went to see a magician. And the magician did some stuff and then gave the guy a ball of string and said, this ball of string is your life. If you ever want to hurry things along a little bit, just pull some string out. The days will fly by and you can get to whatever part of your life you want to be at. So the young man pocketed the string for a while and he got engaged and he thought, boy, I'm ready to be married. Let's go for it. So we just pulled out the string until his wedding day. And then a bit later, they got pregnant. Hey, I want to have my kid. I'm ready. Pulled out some more string. And as the years went by, he kept looking forward to the next great thing and pulling the string out to get there. And the days and the months and the years flew by as he always kept looking to the next thing. To his kids growing up, to the next promotion, to the next great thing, to grandkids, to retirement. He just kept pulling and pulling and pulling his life away. And then one day as he went to pull the string toward his next birthday, he realized it was almost gone. He'd spent his whole life looking toward the next thing. He'd spent his whole life thinking, boy, the next thing is going to be great. And so he neglected to actually live day to day. He'd done so much looking ahead that he hadn't actually lived his life. Now, getting ready for Jesus to come doesn't mean that we just say, oh, a great thing is coming. Let's look forward to that day. It doesn't mean figuring out this is the day that Jesus will come. It doesn't mean just looking at, oh, wonderful things are coming. What it means is living for Jesus today. Don't even try. Don't even try to figure out when Jesus is coming back. We don't know. We can't figure it out. But live. Live each day as if you belong to Jesus. Live each day as if Jesus is present in your life. Because if you belong to Jesus, then the Lord is already with you. And you are already with him. Live every day as if Jesus has come in your life. Now, that doesn't mean we do anything differently, except that it means that we do everything differently. Don't spend your life preparing for just the right moment or looking ahead. Spend every single moment, every single moment following Jesus. It doesn't matter what moment Jesus will come back. What matters is that every moment is the right moment to follow Jesus. Matthew 24 tells us to keep watch because we don't know the day. And so we should be always ready. The day that Jesus comes back will be just a regular, ordinary day until all of a sudden it isn't. So live every day as a day to follow Jesus. And Romans 13 tells us to be prepared by putting on the armor of light. And then it gets more specific and it tells us to clothe ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our armor of light and that transforms us. 
I once talked to a college professor who had a very particular dress code for different, ta- different tasks. When he wanted to write out a rough draft of some article, he'd wear his sort of dirty old jeans and his work clothes. When he wanted to polish things and get something just right for publication, he'd get nicely dressed up and make sure everything was just right. Now, when he told me that story, I was tempted to ask him, so what do you wear for grading papers? A butcher's apron, a hazmat suit, what do you wear for that? I never asked him that. The teachers among you, though, are sympathizing. Yeah, yeah, the students are going, what? That's a little extreme. But a lot of us, we put on different outfits for different things. There are times that we say, I'm really in Jesus mode, so I'm going to wear this particular sort of life. And then maybe there are other times when we say, well, I'm going to work, and so I'm going to wear my work clothes. I'm going to do what I have to do at work. Or in another area, we put on a different set of behaviors, a different way to live. But if our faith really matters, then we should always have on the armor of light. We as Christians should always clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ. We should always look like Jesus. Don't go back and forth. Don't be prepared some days and not prepared other days. But always, always, every morning, clothe yourself in Jesus Christ. Live a transformed life because your identity is someone who belongs to Jesus. And that identity means that we're always seeking to do what's best. We're always trying to say by who we are and what we do that we belong to Jesus. We're always trying to care for each other. We're always trying to be part of our communities in positive ways. If you belong to Jesus, live like a citizen of the kingdom of light. Live like Jesus did because the night is passing away and the sun is coming. Don't settle. Don't settle for anything less. The Lord has given us his son, Jesus Christ. He set us free from evil. He's delivered us from fear and futility. Don't settle for anything less than Jesus. In Jesus, we have hope of eternal peace and prosperity. In Jesus, the darkness is passing away and the dawn is coming. In your life, keep on looking for the light. Be prepared for the day of Jesus coming in how you live every day. As God's people, we live like Jesus because Jesus has already come in our lives and because he is with us every day. Clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ.